Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's happening here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media. So be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now enjoy the message. Great to see all of you. Merry Christmas, kids. It's about time to unwrap those gifts. Are you pumped? You kids excited about unwrapping your gifts? Santa Claus is coming tonight. Some of you kids, your grandparents might be able to relate to me. I I had my childhood before the um, safety consumer product uh, was established, right? Uh, I think that's called the Product Safety Consumer Product Commission or something of that effect. They didn't have that when I was growing up. And so as a result, my sister got an easy-bake oven. Any of you ladies got an easy-bake oven? It's a perfect gift. Give a six-year-old an oven that cooks up to about 350 degrees. Send her upstairs. Honey, have fun. How many of you guys remember getting a wood-burning set? Was that great? A wood-burning set. Now, for those of you that don't know, that thing would just, just you could just ride into anything you wanted. And, And the extension cord for that thing was about three foot long. So to, to work it, you had to sit very close to the drapes. And I remember one Christmas, I actually wrote my initials on the baseboard. My mother really didn't love that. It's kind of marking my territory, right? Chemistry set, did you get a chemistry set? Wasn't that fun? Creating all kinds of toxic chemicals in your room alone, so much fun. Got a glass cutter set one year, a glass cutter. Who gives a kid, anyway, I got a glass cutter set. Uh, All those things, and and this was the best one. I thought about this. This was the best one, lawn darts. What was that? Lawn darts. What were they thinking? I mean, it has a steel spike on it, guys, for those of you that don't know. Steel spike on it, and you know, you pitch it into a little circle, but we didn't do that. You got all your friends over, because that's what you do when you're about to do something incredibly crazy. You get all your friends over, and you see how high in the air you can throw the thing, and then you scream, Run! Those were the good old days. So I am glad to know that most of you will be having much safer toys to play with than what we had when we were growing up. But I think we did pretty good. Don't you moms and dads and grandparents? I think we did okay. But uh, really when you think about gift giving and receiving, how it's tied to Christmas, it really, guys, goes back to the nativity. It goes back to the original story. When you think about it, Jesus' birth was announced first to the shepherds. And the Bible says the shepherds came and they presented themselves to Jesus as a gift. That's all they had. They weren't wealthy men. They weren't sophisticated at all. And so they brought him all that they had. They just gave to him themselves. And there at that manger, they worshiped. And then the Magi came along, the wise men. And they were men of sophistication and men of great wealth. And they too brought gifts. And those gifts, remember, were gold and frankincense and myrrh. So the tradition that we'll experience tonight and again tomorrow is really rooted in the Christmas story. It is the giving and receiving of gifts. And yet, could I remind you that before the shepherds ever showed, before the wise men ever came, that God had given us the greatest gift in the world. Probably one of the most famous verses in the Bible, John 3.16, says, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son. You see, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. And God so loved all of us that he gave to us his greatest gift. He gave to us the person 
of his son. And so Jesus came into the world as that, that perfect gift. Now, I know most of you have considered what to buy your loved ones. You think about what do they need? What do they want? What, what could I get them? What's the perfect gift? But when I see the announcement that the angels made to the shepherds, in that announcement is the perfect gift. You remember what the angel said, for unto us is born this day in the city of David. Here it is, a savior who is Christ the Lord, the perfect gift. It's the one thing we desired more than anything else in the world, and that is to somehow be made right in the sight of God, to somehow to find purpose in life and to be able to be connected to our creator. And so the thing you and I needed more than anything, more than religion, more than our ability to do the right thing, the thing that we needed more than any of that, we needed a savior. So Jesus came as that gift. And it's interesting that of all the metaphors that God uses to describe the gift, one of the most powerful metaphors, you've heard us weave it throughout the theme of our night, is he came as light. In fact, Jesus said concerning himself, I am the light of the world. Now, it's interesting that scientists have discovered something called bioluminance, bioluminance. It's the idea that with life, with life, there's light. Where you have physical life, that life will emanate light. Uh, our, our law enforcement will use something called a FLIR on a helicopter, and it's searching for people in the darkness, and their bodies will emanate a certain amount of light and energy, and the FLIR can see that in the darkness because our bodies, where there is life, there's light. Every living organism on the planet emanates some sort of light, a bioluminance. The fact that you're alive, you emanate light. That's true of us physically. It's true of us emotionally. We emanate light. Just interacting with people in the room, you can hear laughter, and sometimes we share stories and we may, we may cry. Sometimes we might get angry, or sometimes you know, we, we have a different emotional experience, but the fact that we can have any kind of a emotional reaction to things is, is proof that there is an emotional life, and so there's emotional light, bioluminance. But could I remind you, as just as you are physical and emotional, you're also spiritual. And I know you recognize that or you wouldn't be in a place like this on a night like this. You recognize the fact that there's a part of you that is spiritual. There is a part of you that hungers for a relationship and a connection with God. And when the Bible describes us in that spiritual condition apart from God, he says we are, we're dead in trespasses and sins. Meaning that there's no light inherently within us spiritually. Now, we can illuminate physical life, and we can illuminate emotional light. But until we come in contact with the Savior, until we experience Jesus in our, in our own heart and soul, we never illuminate spiritual life. So Jesus came into the world as, as light. I am the light of the world. And when I think about his gift of life and light, I think about him, think about it this way. He was first and foremost accessible, accessible. He came into this world as one of us. The Bible says, and we sang about it a moment ago, he's Emmanuel, which means God in flesh. He, he's, he's one of us. He was just as much a man as though he were never God, 
while being just as much God as though he had never been man. He was the God-man. And because he came into the world as one of us, he can relate to us. I don't know if you've ever gone through something in your life and you tried to share your experience with someone and you're pouring your heart out to them and you look at them and they're kind of glazed over. <laughs> they're not relating to anything you have to say. And you're wondering even why in the world did I even go down this road and even share this experience because they're obviously very disinterested in the thing that my heart is trying to convey. But when the Bible talks about Jesus, it describes him this way in Hebrews. He says, we do not have, listen to this, we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmity. But he was in all points tempted and tested as we are, yet he was without sin. The writer of Hebrews was saying that, ladies and gentlemen, we have a God, we have a gift in Jesus that is accessible. He can, he can relate to our experiences. He understands where we're coming from. There's nothing you can go through in life but what he does not understand and he can comprehend the depths of your sorrow or the heights of your joy. In fact, in the shortest verse of the Bible is in John 11 where it says Jesus wept. And I've shared this, how I've often wondered how he being God knew he was going to bring Lazarus back from the grave. Why did he weep? Why didn't he just bring him back from the grave? Why did he stand there at the tomb and cry? And part of my mind says, well, maybe he did because he wanted to know how it feels to lose someone you love. Well, that kind of made sense. I mean, Lazarus, from all accounts of Scripture, was probably one of the closest friends Jesus had when he was on the earth. He loved Lazarus. They were friends. And Lazarus died. People who love Jesus die. People who are friends of Jesus die. People who are close to Jesus die. Lazarus died. And Jesus stood outside the grave of Lazarus and, and, and he wept. And I thought, well, he, he wanted to know what it feels like to lose someone you love, so therefore he wept. Then it hit me, well, I thought he's God. If he's God, then he would already know. He's sovereign. So why did he weep? And here's what struck me, and I wanted to share this with you. I don't think he wept at the grave of Lazarus so that he would know how it feels. I think he wept at the grave of Lazarus, get this, so that we would know he knows how it feels. He's accessible. He gets you. He gets the highs and the lows of your life. He understands you when you're happy and sad. He, he understands you. And he came into the world as God's gift, and he came into this world as a God who is accessible. Second thing, he came as a gift that is approachable. <laughs> approachable. Man, religion puts God so transcendent that he's almost impossible to ever come close to him. He, he's just above everything and beyond everything, and he's God. And, and by the way, he is. But the God of the manger, the God who came into our world was a God who, yes, though he was transcendent, also was imminent. He could be touched. In fact, Paul talks about it in Ephesians. He says uh, that God is above all, and then he says he is in y'all and through you all. So Paul said he is both transcendent while being imminent. God can be God. He can be over everything while he understands everything that goes on in our life. He, he's approachable. It's interesting. There is a, an altar in Exodus chapter 
20 that God said to build. He said, build it out of earthen material. Just build it from the dirt. He said, I don't want any skilled stone, no tools, uh, skilled stonework on that altar. I want it very plain. And then the third thing he said is don't put steps leading up to the altar. And when you understand the way he's describing how this altar is to be made, remember the altar was the meeting point between God and man. He said, I want it to be common, made of earth. I don't want people to feel like they're not skilled or they're not qualified to, to, to approach it. So I, I don't want any, no sophisticated carvings on it. And if they're challenged in some way physically, I don't want steps that might prohibit them from coming. I want them to come just as they are. I want them to be able to approach me. And when Jesus came into this world, that's how he came. He came approachable. He came accessible. In fact, Billy Graham used to close all of his crusades out with a great hymn, and I won't sing it because I don't want to stampede the herd, but here's how it went. Just as I am, without one plea, but that your blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come. How do you get to Jesus? You come as you are. You just bring your old messed up self, bring your mad self, bring your bitter self, bring your confused self, bring your angry self. You just bring it just as you are to him, just as he is, and Jesus says, those who come to me, are you ready for this? I will in no wise cast out. He won't turn you away. Religion might. You know, a lot of churches say, us four no more, shut the door. <laughs> That's not how he works. He says, if you come to me, you come just as you are with all the problems of life. And when you come to me that way, I will in no wise turn you away or cast you out. He's accessible. He's approachable. Here's a third thought, and then we'll do communion. He's available. He's available. Man, no matter who you are or where you're from, he is available. He's the friend someone has described who will come into your world if every other friend walks out. The Bible says he's a friend who will stick closer to you than your own brother. He loves you more than you love you. You might not die for you, but he did. He loves you. He cares about you. The Bible says, hey, he has the hairs of our head numbered. Now, I used to wonder why that verse was there. Is it because he's got accountants in heaven that hadn't have anything else to do? So he says, you know, number their hair. No. No, here's what I think he's trying to convey. He's trying to say to us that I am interested in the most minute detail of your life. But what's interesting, he says, I have the hairs of your head. The scripture says, numbered, not counted. Now, I'm going to pick up, let me pick this with you and just see if this makes sense. If he had said numbered, that means, uh, accounted rather, that means he knows how many there are. But when he said numbers, uh, he knows which ones they are. <laughs> Every time you comb the hairs, he's going, well, there went six more. What's the point? He's saying, I'm interested in the smallest detail of your life. Let me give you one more way of thinking about it. If it's big enough to bother you, it's big enough to affect him. He cares about you that much. In fact, in Hebrews, another great verse in Hebrews, he said, look, when you come to me and receive that gift, I will then never leave you or forsake you. You see, to leave or forsake are two different things. To leave someone means you remove your presence from them physically. To forsake them means you disconnect from them emotionally. 
Did you know you could be connected to someone physically you're not connected to emotionally? Conversely, you can be disconnected from someone physically that you're very connected to emotionally. The only way you and I have to connect with another human being is physical and emotional. That's the ways we connect. And God says, when you receive my gift of life and light, and all of a sudden you are possessing the presence of my spirit within you, he said, listen, I will never leave you, and I'll never remove my presence from you. Friend, that's a pretty good deal. I would tell you as I close, if you don't know Jesus, I highly recommend him. Salvation is not in your religion. It's not in your ability to do the right thing. Salvation is in a personal relationship to Jesus. Jesus said himself in John 14, I love the way it opens, let not your hearts be troubled. Why were their hearts troubled? He was about to go to the cross. They were troubled. You know what it says to me, and I shared this with our church not long after Cindy went to heaven. One of the things God taught me in that experience is that you can have a troubled life and an untroubled heart. He didn't say, let not your life be troubled. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You can go through a lot of storms in life and you can navigate through a lot of things, but you can do it with an untroubled heart. God can give peace in your heart. And in that passage where he said, let not your hearts be troubled, you believe in God, believe also in me, in my Father's house or mansions. He said, if it were not so, I would, if there were no heaven, he said, I would tell you, I wouldn't play on your emotions. I wouldn't give you a false hope. He said, but I go to prepare a place the Greek word for place is topos. We get the word topography from that. He said, I go to prepare, a heaven's a place. I've got loved ones there and you do too. Heaven is a place. He said, and Thomas was there and said, Lord, we don't know this place that you're going and how do we know the way? And here's what Jesus said, verse six. Thomas, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Not your religion, friend. It's your relationship to Jesus. You receive him as a gift, and all of a sudden, just as your, your body is illuminated, just as your spirit is illuminated, he'll illuminate your soul. And the presence of God and the peace of God comes to reside. Bioluminance within your soul is the light of God. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for my friends who are here You've taken time out of very busy schedules to be here for this hour, to honor you, to be with family, to be with friends, to celebrate you. Thank you that they have made their worship a priority this Christmas season. But yet, Lord, I pray that if there's one in this room who has never humbled their heart and received you as Savior, invited you into their life as light, that this would be the moment right now where they simply pray a prayer like this and say, Lord Jesus, with everything I know about me, I now trust all I know about you. Come into my heart, forgive my sin, be a reality in my life. Father, I pray many have prayed that prayer. And then finally, Lord, as we prepare now to honor you through the receiving of communion, I pray this act of worship would be pleasing in your sight. Remind us all of the significance of communion because it points to the very purpose of you coming into this world, 
was to bear our sins to the cross and pay a price that we could not pay. So, Father, bless this time as we honor you in this way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us by visiting metchurch.com so that we can follow up with you this week. We look forward to seeing you next week.